You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, people? Welcome to Pain Points, a Tainer Super podcast, proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Network. As usual, I'm Jake Painting. You can find me at Jake Painting, J-A-K-E-P-A-Y-N-T-I-N-G on Twitter. And you can find my written work and, and a bunch of other written work over at TainerSupers.com. Today, I am joined by Trip Wagner. He's recently started writing over at Dunking with Wolves. You've probably seen him on Twitter at, at Timberwolves News. He, he does a lot of good work over there, and he's just started his foray into writing, which is also very good and and and, and very informative stuff that he's already put out. So yeah, how you doing, Trip? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, good. How, good. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Good. Pretty much the same. So um, today we're, <laughs> we're going to get um straight into some some optimistic predictions, I guess, some bold predictions. It's a pretty pretty sour time at the moment in the world, so I thought we'd um get into some into some fun, optimistic stuff. Trip, as you know, if you follow him on Twitter, is a pretty optimistic guy, which which I love. <laughs> and um, yeah. so I thought I'd get him on, and we'd try and have some fun with it today. So if you want to just get straight into your your first big call, your first big prediction, <clears throat> Trip, and and we'll go from there. Yeah, I just say first and foremost, someone's got to be optimistic here. Anytime <laughs> I post something, it's followed up with about a hundred negative responses saying that I'm very uninformed about basketball. So I'm, I'm getting thick skin over here as a Bulls fan. Um, but yeah, I'll start it out. I think the biggest thing for me, you know, obviously the season didn't go the way we wanted after the deadline. Granted, these guys haven't had an off season together. So my biggest thing, I think five seed is is extremely extremely doable, if not better. Um, I think uh, based off, you know, the way Malik Beasley, the way he was rolling, D'Lo, the way he was rolling, um, you know, Cat really hasn't played with him yet. I think with, with with the way that this team is going, I think five seed is extremely attainable next year. Um, just based off, you know, what's ahead, I think Rosas has a couple picks up his alley that he's going to, you know, be able to use for some more assets. I think we're going to use that mid-level um, to most, most likely acquire quote unquote, an asset that they'll probably move at the deadline. But I, I just think the five seed is extremely attainable. The defense is terrible, but that offense I think is, is easily going to be top 10 without question. Yeah. I'd be pretty surprised if the offense wasn't top 10, if not, you know, at their peak, maybe get up to top five. And I think I've wrote about this before that top five, top 10 offenses often make the playoffs. It's, it's pretty rare that, especially a top five, it's very rare that a top five offense doesn't make the playoffs. But, um, I think the one. I think I agree. I think they definitely have the talent. I think Ryan Saunders with another another year of coaching experience probably serves him really well. Um, the one thing that I guess is the stumbling block there is is just the West. Obviously, like if they were in the East, yep. you could pretty much pencil them in for for a top six seed almost every season with the, with this roster. But 
they're going to have to get over us. So let's let's go through it. I guess the the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Mavericks, Rockets, Jazz, and then Golden State will be back next year. That's eight right there. So they're going to have to be better than at least yeah three of those, and then that leaves teams like Memphis and Portland and New Orleans mm-hmm. as well. I don't think that's out of the realms of possibility for them to be better than a few of those teams, but it's just a bloodbath out there in the West at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I don't even look at the, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers. I don't even, like, consider them. I don't even look at them for the Timberwolves right now. I think we're so far from where they where they are. I right. mean, I think we're, we're going towards being where, the, where we want to be with that, uh, but it would be unfair to even really consider them. I think, you know, the biggest thing I'm looking at is, like, a team like the Jazz. Are they going to be better? Uh, I don't think Rudy Gobert and, and you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell are going to be teammates very long. They don't like each other. <laughs> um, I think... The, the as far as I'm concerned, the Blazers are a failed experiment. You have two of the most dynamic guards in the league and have not really produced very much in terms of the playoffs. Yep. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to, if they don't have the start that they want to see McCollum moved at the deadline and then really push for Anthony Simons, who they drafted pretty high, um, to, to, to certainly kind of step into that role. Um, so I, I think it's it's a lot more attainable. I look at a team like the Mavs and think, okay, you know, they made a move for Chris Stapps. We made a move for D'Lo. Two prolific guys that just for whatever reason just wasn't working out where they were. Obviously, Warriors was, you know, more of an asset signing. Can't blame them for taking the max. Um, and then I look at a guy like Kat and, and, and Doncic, similar type of setup. Two guys to really build a team around that are young, um, certainly not even in their prime yet, um, you know, in basketball terms. And... I think it's real. I mean, I think, you know, you look at the, the supporting cast. I mean, Malik Beasley was, was firing on all cylinders. And I think, you know, that was a great addition. I don't know how, you know, I don't know if he'll be on the team long term or not, but I, I mean, he's going to be resigned for sure. Um, and I, I think, you know, that's three really solid pieces to work with. And, and I, I think defense, like I said, is really not, not a good thing right now. But again, I mean, how many of these superstars are playing prolific defense at this point? So I, I like the Wolves really to be able to beat out those teams off the top of my head, like the Mavs and, and the Blazers. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I think they definitely have a chance to beat out a few of them teams. Even, I guess, you know, someone like like some of the teams on the outer, like, like your, your Memphis. I think Memphis will probably drop down a bit next season, especially yeah. as the West gets a bit tougher. New Orleans are one that one that I kind of uh, waver on, I guess, because I feel like they're probably going to be pretty good next season just based on their, you know, last 20 games. And obviously, we didn't get to see Zion for a full, full season, but they're still a huge question mark. I guess don't know what way they're going to go. And they're a bit like Minnesota, where, where their defense is pretty much stunk and their offense kind of carries them. So I, 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 think, the, I think Minnesota definitely have a chance to make the playoffs. I think it'll still require... A, a really good offseason. I think, like you said, probably probably a free agent or, or a trade and then really hitting a couple of home runs on draft night. Yep. Yeah, I agree completely. All yeah. right. So um, we're getting to... Oh, I actually also want to have... um, Just do a little percentage at the end. So we'll just give what percentage we think that this actually can happen. So so what do you, sure. what do you think for that? Um, For the playoffs, I'd say I'm... Honestly, ninety five percent certain that they can at least be be an eight seed. I yeah. mean, there's no way. I mean, I I I see Cad D'Lo as top twenty five. I really think D'Lo is a top twenty. I think he's a top twenty five player. It's beside the point. But um, 
Five seed, I'd say 50-50. I mean, it really just depends on what this offseason looks like for the Wolves. So I'd say 50-50 on that. I, I Maybe even 51-49. I'm really confident in Gerson Rosas that this isn't the roster that's going into opening day or at the deadline. They're not going to get worse. And I think they will only get better. I really, I really am high on that. So I'd say 51%. Yeah. Well, I'm not as optimistic as you guys have already discussed, but I had 50, I had 50% for the playoffs and I had 20% for the, for the five seed. And even then I I think I'm kind of pushing my own, (laughs) my own boundaries a little bit just because I, I've had this pessimism just, just built into me over the years, but I do need you. I do need your optimism to kind of, you know, lift lift my tide a little bit. It. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm with you, man. So we get into my first call. So I went with um, uh, Talent in Towns to be second team All NBA. I think there's there's been constantly, you know, four centers over the last season, few seasons that have been All NBA candidates. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, and then Towns as well. I think it figures to be pretty similar next season unless maybe a Bam Adebayo kind of takes another big leap forward. But but even then, I, I'd, I'd wager that it's those four guys competing for the three spots again. I think with a few more wins, like we just discussed, and, and a full healthy season as, as the number one option and, and the best shooting big man on the planet, I think Towns could, could not only beat out Gobert, but maybe even snag a spot for, from Jokic or Embiid. Um, I think maybe especially with Embiid's health issues over the past few years, over his whole career. You kind of, it doesn't take much mental gymnastics to kind of see him playing 55 games and Towns playing, you know, back up to closer to, to 82 and and really, you know, show, having his best season ever, especially next to D'Angelo Russell. We, we've heard so much about how much they wanted to play together and, and how well they'll fit is, is pretty obvious offensively, I think. The, the pick and roll, pick and pop, D'Angelo Russell already showed without without um, Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup how well he can facilitate others. And I think obviously it'll probably require uh, another step forward defensively for Towns, which I still do think he has in him. But I think, yeah, I, I really don't think it's out of the realm of the possibility for Towns to, to snag that second team or NBA spot. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could disagree, but I can't. I mean, it, I I'm a, I would argue that he should have. He kind of got robbed. I mean, I think he got robbed a bit this year. I mean, he's just one of those guys where, he, for whatever reason, a lot of the national you know media, a lot of the fans across the country, you don't get to watch the Timberwolves, especially before D'Angelo Russell. I think that might shift a little bit now. Just whether they're good or not, they'll be fun to watch. So I think they'll be on TV more um, nationally. But he, he's a guy that I mean. For better or worse, I mean, I've never seen someone so disrespected in terms of, oh, he can't play defense, he can't play defense. That's why, I mean, this is the most prolific offensive center and arguably of the past, maybe ever, um, in my opinion. And he's very young. Um, and I think that it's tough when you're a center to get all NBA when you're not good at defense. I, yeah. That's the one position where you have to, you know, you look at a guy like Gobert offensively, I mean, you can't do much, right? I mean, outside of eight feet or whatever the case may be. But um, he, he, he needs to improve on defense, but it's, it's not fair to suggest that he needs to be this great defender to be All-NBA because a lot of superstars are not good at defense and no one talks about it. And it blows my mind because, yes, Cat is not good at defense. He's, he, I, I'd argue that he's, he's, he's a willing defender. I think he'll improve. He's, you know, um, but 
offensively, you're not going to find a better talent. I mean, Embiid, sure, he's right up there with him, can't stay healthy. Fan favorite, that helps him out quite a bit. Uh, but but I completely agree. I mean, I think he's one of the best. I mean, I think he's the best center in the league. Um, and I, I agree. He will definitely, I, I think he will be all NBA. I mean, if not second team, first team, I mean, truly, I mean, if he can just play a lick of defense, I mean, he's just very, like I said, there's this national perception that he's soft from his Jimmy Butler days and for, from from his defensive ability, but it's really not fair because a lot, a lot, a lot of top-tier players in today's NBA do not play defense. Yeah, I'm not even going to get really into into the soft narrative because that's that's probably my... <laughs> My most hated narrative around around any player in the league. Obviously, I'm, I'm biased because Townsend and he's you know the best player from my favorite team. But but I think um not not punching Jimmy Butler in the face in a practice doesn't doesn't make a man soft. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I think, yeah. and I don't think he's like you said. I don't think he's he's soft on defense. I think he's he's defensive IQ is pretty low, and he's um been put in situations with with drop schemes and with uh you know bad bad guard defenders in front of him picking roles that don't help him at all and I don't think he, he helps himself by kind of overthinking and, and maybe chasing blocks. But like you said, I think he's a will I think he's a willing defender for sure. I don't think he's he's lazy. I just think he's a bit um he's just as his skill hasn't developed as well as one yep. one would look like. And I'll add a wrinkle to that is that, you know, it's it's really hard to be a plus defender when you don't have a ton of talent around you. Um, I mean, you, yeah, Jimmy Butler was great when he was in Minnesota. He didn't have a ton of talent around him, but outside of his, you know, he. this is the first time, I mean, yeah, the Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins days were, were fun to dream about, but um, from a talent standpoint, it's really hard to play good defense when the guys around you aren't super talented. And, and, and um, I just, I think, yeah, again, it's that narrative of, it's 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 a false narrative, and and I really do believe that that he will be second team at worst all NBA. Yeah, so I, I think I'd give it around. I think probably eighty percent chance that he's an all NBA player. Yeah. I think I think third team all NBA, especially if he has a full season, and, and Minnesota can win some more games. I think that's probably mm-hmm. the most important thing is that they need to w- yes. they need to win games. If if they win thirty games again, he probably doesn't make any team, and <laughs> and if they win 45 or even if they win you know 40 and come ninth that's still probably enough to to you know showcase his abilities especially sure. if he plays a full season and especially if he plays the way he started out this season and the way he, he played when he was healthy but um second second team I'd probably put out around 40 percent I'm not I know just because yeah. of that narrative around him I think like you said like if you if you've got that narrative that you don't play defense it really hurts you in in the media in the media circles, and I think he'd have to he'd have to not only become a better defender, but he'd have to become a really good defender just to break that narrative. I mean, just becoming a better defender probably doesn't even help him next season. It probably takes at least a few seasons of seasons of becoming an average defender, or or one season of being a really good defender for him to actually change that narrative. Yep, and and uh, yeah, from a percentage standpoint. I- I'll preface this first part. This isn't the fan. Let's just say this. The fan in me would say, oh, he will 100% be second team all NBA. But the realist in me who analyzes basketball, watches film, is is writes for the, about the Timberwolves. I, 
and and observes what the what the rest of the country and the world, for example, like you thinks of cat. Um, I, I, I'm putting it at twenty five percent. Yeah, <laughs> and just because just because it's I know the narrative out there for better, and I don't agree with it. I really, I truly don't. Um, but it, it, I don't see a guy like Gobert taking a step back, and I, it, it's just tough. I, there's Jokic isn't going to take a step back. I, Embiid, I don't know. We'll see. I, his competition is those are guys that that people love to talk about positively, and they're all and they're and, all all time centers, especially uh, Embiid and Jokic. Yeah. Like they've both proven themselves as as probably you yeah. know two of the top three uh, centers in the league. Year on year, Towns is up there with them, yep. but but he's right now he's kind of fighting from from an like fighting an uphill battle since he wasn't in there he wasn't in there last yep. season and he probably won't be this season either. Yeah, twenty five percent. I hate to say it, that's just the realistic. I just don't see that the the voters putting him up there. I just they they don't respect him. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we're getting to your second one. Sure. So uh, for me, the next one I've got uh, is that the Timberwolves actually have the lottery work in their favor for once in their life, and they actually end up with the top three pick, um, and they end up with with Killian Hayes or Denny. Uh, I, I don't even want Denny Abdija. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, Abdija. Um, I think Abdija. Abdija is probably yeah, yeah. But I think walking away with 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 one of those guys. Oh my God! I mean. Um, Killian Hayes, there's a lot of redundancy in his game to D'Lo, and that does scare me. Um, but I think walking away with a guy like that, if he can run the second unit, you, it's not all about putting him next to D'Lo. It's about looking at the team as a whole. Because a, a second unit guy is good for 20-plus minutes, 15, 20, 25 minutes, and, and that's vital to your team's success. You can't put out a scrub backup point guard to run your the offense the way you want and win. And I love J-Mac, and I want to keep him around as a third option. But... Ending up with a guy with Kent, like Killian Hayes to run that second unit or even to play off ball, I, like I said, I get nervous about the redundancy. But um, I think they wind up with him or, or Denny Abdia, uh, a guy who, who also can play at a very high level and fits a huge need for the Wolves. I don't think Rosas is going to draft for need. Um, but I, I truly believe, you know, top three pick and walking away with one of those guys. Yeah, I, I, I've spoken about Hayes a ton on here and I've, I've wrote about him as well and, and I really love Killian Hayes as a prospect. Like you said, I'm not as high on him as, as a fit in Minnesota, but I'm definitely still – I'd still be very happy if they drafted Hayes. He's, he's number one on my board at the moment, probably flip-flopping with, with Anthony Edwards each day. So I'd, I'd really love Killian Hayes. I'm a little more skeptical on Avia. I think mm-hmm. he's obviously – I think he's been immense in, in his last few games since the fourth hiatus. But um, the small the small sample size there still worries me. Not that he wasn't good before that, but just that um, it seems that his three point shooting and free throw shooting have both taken an uptick lately. Yep. But I think that's that's still the mystery. I guess is he shooting that really defines his ceiling for me. I, I love his his blend his blend of size and speed and smarts on both ends. He's he's really good passing in transition, really good cutter, a quite a good slasher. I don't think he he creates space for himself overly well as a scorer, but he, he still finds ways to get buckets and, and a really fun playmaker as well for a guy who, who's six foot nine. 
And then, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is is, is being six nine. I, he's a guy that I think he can guard the two, the three, the four. And granted, you know, it's one of those things where the talent he's going against, it's hard to really analyze. Um, yeah, but he he can pass pretty well, pretty athletic, great size, can play solid defense. I, I'd say he's pretty NBA ready for a 19 year old yeah, he's, a, he's a really good really good like rotational defender like i think he, he can be a, a power forward in this league yeah. pretty comfortable and he can handle the ball better than most power forwards oh, at the, uh, you know. yeah really handle um it. and yeah. i i would say it's pretty crazy to me that he was born in 2001 that's insane to me um i'm very <laughs> old uh, but i think you know he's just he fit he's a guy that that he's i, I don't by the small sample size, I buy upside. Um, I'm not looking at the, his past couple games where he's averaging 20, whatever he's at. I don't even care. I've been watching. But um, long term, I look at a guy like that. Like, that's a Rosas guy. Like, like, like yeah. Culver, yeah. similarly. Like, Texas Tech ran their offense entirely through that guy. And, and he wasn't necessarily going to step in and be an NBA, like, day one big time contributor, but it's a guy that you think, oh wow, down the road, this is someone we can really, you know, be a huge part of our of our system. Um so I would say with him similarly. Um and additionally back to Killian Hayes, I, I think he's the best player in the draft. I genuinely do. I'm really, really high on Anthony Edwards. I know people would call him Wiggins. I, I think it's kind of lazy. Um I from a like you know, I'm not trying to get too off topic here, but from a uh Talent standpoint, I think he's got equally as much talent. Uh, but, yeah, I think if you can walk away with one of those guys who's playing overseas top three, I mean, and then you've got the 16th pick, you're in a wonderful spot with either of those guys. And I know, you know, he's not as high on your board, Avdia, uh, and I know you've got, you know, Vassell and, and, and Hayes and those guys up there, but but uh, I think if, if we can walk away with one of those guys, I mean, Wolves are, are in, a, in a great spot. Yeah, and I, I definitely, as much as I said, yeah, I am a little bit more skeptical on, on Avdia, but I'd still be very happy if Minnesota got him. I think he fits pretty well in this system. Like you said, I think he is a Rotas guy. I think if he does develop that shot, especially just yeah. more as a, as a spot-up shooter, I think on this team he wouldn't be asked to create a, lo- a lot of shots for himself, and, and that really plays into his game. So I think, I think if he was just asked to be kind of a, a secondary or, or tertiary creator, play good defense, you know, rebound a little bit, and, and then uh, can hit spot-up threes as well. I think I think that's the kind of player who they'd really like, and then obviously a bunch of potential to grow into even more than that. Um, so what percentage do you think that, that will happen? I guess it's hard because it's... Oh, man. I, I, zero? I mean, it's the Timberwolves and the lottery. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I would say less than 50. I'd say 50. 40%. And and my concern is, yep. is that the highest percent chance, as you know, the highest percent chance is that the Timberwolves end up with the second pick. Um, and I, I, they're like the team that would end up not moving. You know, that's the pick. They're, like, yeah. they're going to get the pick that they have the highest percentage of getting. It's just, that's just who they are, unfortunately. It's just the way that, that the world works for the Timberwolves. So I would say 40%. I mean, by a miracle... We, we, I think it's either seventh or like second, and they just climb up the board. Yeah. So I'd say 40. Yeah, I had 40 as well. <laughs> I think, like, like you said, like you said, it's obviously it's a tough ask in general for Minnesota to even move up in the, in the draft and then, or to even stay where they are because they're so used to falling, falling down picks. Yep. 
And then they also have to, you know, draft, draft one of them two guys when I guess there's probably going to be other guys on the board that, that they admire as yep. well. Like we said, Edwards is probably, I think, the guy. I think if they got number one, Edwards would probably be the guy they went with. So it's just, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of just a, it's a bit of a, a you know, crapshoot there. Um, we'll get into my one. So I kind of went the opposite for this one. I had that they, they'll miss the playoffs, but they'll, they'll get a top three pick and keep their pick for the next season. Mm-hmm. So obviously Golden State, Golden State have, uh, Minnesota's pick unless it's a top three pick for next year from, from the D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Wiggins trade. So I think that, that while they miss the playoffs, uh, these are all, like I said, predictions. You kind of go either way on them. Like I, I said before, I think they could definitely make the playoffs, but I think this is a scenario that would still work out really well for Minnesota. Obviously, it's it's short-term pain for, for long-term gain. I want to make the playoffs just like all you guys do, um, but it's certainly still an optimistic kind of pick in my eyes just because if they can be a fringe playoff team, I'm counting on, on some luck that Minnesota have never had to kind of go from, you know, a, a ninth or tenth seed to a, to a top three pick in the lottery. And then after that, I think they... This team can really find the the final piece of the puzzle. Number one, we'll get you we'll get you Cade Cunningham, a franchise altering six foot eight point guard shooting guard who literally has no holes coming out in his game coming out of high school. Um, number two, you know after that you can get guys like like Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs, a a Minnesota native. All those guys are. Other type of players who would probably like all. I think I'd have all of those guys at number one in this draft. Just just for reference, they're all really really good talents. And um, I think as much as it would hurt to miss the playoffs this season, if they could somehow still sneak a top three pick, maybe pay off Adam Silver in, in the process, kind of yeah. get a little bit of under the ta- under the table lottery action working. Um, I think that would be um that would really set them up for, for success in the future. Yeah, I think uh, if the Timberwolves are have a top three pick, I'm, I mean, my God, I, I we're having it's going to be a hard conversation to have with Rosas because uh, that that something's not going right. Um, I, I, yeah, I, if they have a, if they have a top three pick because they were one of the you know bottom three teams in the league, I think that definitely changes the story. Whereas if they if they just miss the playoffs and then they get some lottery luck, yep. I'm I'm not as concerned. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say in terms of the 2021 draft, it was to to only I wasn't you know it says a lot that the Warriors wanted that pick. Not only that, obviously it's a great draft. Everyone knows that. Um, the biggest concern there was it's only top three protected, and that tells you one thing. That the Warriors said, "Hey, yeah, you can have D'Lo, and we still think we're going to get your pick." So um, yeah. that's terrifying to me. However, if they do end up, you know, let's say with a top three pick, yeah, like you said, Cade Cunningham, one of the best point guards, I mean, in a very long time. He's he's a, he's smaller than him, but he's got a lot of Ben Simmons to him. Um, yeah, Jalen Green. I mean, Jonathan Kuminga. I'm a, I went to Texas Tech, so I. Uh, I went there for a couple of years and um, he, I mean, he's, he's about to commit this weekend or next week. So I'm like, he, it's either Texas tech or the G league because his brother plays for Texas tech. Jonathan Kaminga, that man can, I mean, my God, this, that draft is just loaded. I mean, if they get a top three pick, he's going to be, it's going to be like a potential superstar. We're either going to be Cade Cunningham, 
Jalen yeah. Green or John Kuminga, which all of them have like elite, like all NBA first team upside. So all of a sudden, if you have that paired with D'Lo and Cat, I mean, the conversation, and then like even uh, Beasley, I mean, my God, you're talking about like going from like having a, a top three pick to like legitimately being able to compete at a very high level the following year, unless yeah. injuries or something get in the way, because I can't fathom um, having a top three pick outside of that. Yeah, exactly. I think I think in that scenario, it'd be one of the ones where where it just really hurts, especially like you said, if they actually got <laughs> if they got a top three pick from actually being that bad, but it could also springboard them into into you know the best they've been for for a long time. So it kind of it's a risky game to try and play. I doubt that Minnesota will even think about tanking next next season. But yeah. but if they if they do somehow, you know, if they're ten and thirty. After 40 games, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to just go and get that top three pick because there is just a ton of talent. Absolutely. I will absolutely lose my mind. If, if we're 10 and 30, I will. I mean, you're going to have to check in on me, make sure I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so what, what's oh, – so for, a percent, for the percentage-wise for that one, sure. um, I had I had about uh, 40%, 50% that they missed the playoffs Ooh, because, like okay. I said, I'm, I'm still iffy on that. And then about a five percent that they that they get a top pick just because I don't think I don't think they miss the playoffs by that much and they'd have to really I think they'd have to move up at least five or six spots in the in the lottery to to get a top three pick. I mean, I based off how how the lottery falls for the Timberwolves and honestly, I think with the way the team is going, I'd say zero percent. Truly, I truly yeah. believe that. Um, I just think that the, there's too much talent at the at the one, the two, and the five um, for the Timberwolves next year to be that bad i just i don't care defense so be it um i think you can win with great offense um and, maybe and not win the, a championship but i i just don't see a way where they're in the lottery next year i just don't yeah so I'd say for, zero. for me i think like it's obviously been spoken about you know the, the horse has been beaten as much as you could ever beat it about the draft being quite weak but i think there's a really good chance that minnesota Strengthen themselves now and strengthen themselves for the future in the in this draft, especially with the two picks that are probably going to be top sixteen, maybe even you know a, a number one pick. So I think there's a really good chance that you can kind of cement your your, your core, put another player next to Towns and Russell and, and Beasley, and just um, I think if they get two, if they hit on the draft in those two picks, and then maybe even at thirty three as well, if they don't trade them, that's um. That's a really big for them. I'll get into that a bit more later, though. So, what, what's um, what's your number three? Yeah, number three I made specifically for you. So, if you're listening to this for the first time, I just want to make a little statement. I have nothing by saying this. Uh, I gain nothing from saying this other than the fact that as a fan myself and a lover of Timberwolves basketball, um, this podcast is a must-listen. I So, I go to the gym at 7 a.m., Four days a week, which is about four, it's it's about a 30, 40 minute drive from me. I go there four times a week. I have a trainer, but that's beside the point. The point being is that it's an hour plus drive where I listen. I finish about an episode every drive. And uh, this is must listen if you're a Timberwolves fan. I mean, this is a, an incredible podcast. Jake has great knowledge. The conversation flows. It feels like you're with him. Um, so just want to acknowledge you on that, but, but, but thank my you, main reason you. for, of course, and my main reason for saying that is that, uh, I think the Timberwolves are going to fall are going to be stuck at number seven where their best odds are, because that is peak Timberwolves in the lottery. 
Um, and but they get your boy Devin Vassell, the oh. next Kelly Oubre, and um, I think that would be. I mean, if we could have seven and sixteen, I mean, and, and Vassell's there. I mean, all of a sudden you got the the best. I'd say second best shooting guard in the draft. Uh, six seven, very athletic. Uh, the shot I think is good. I think he he's one of those guys that just is going to get better and better and better and better and better. Like it, honestly, a seven if he's there, that's great. Um, shit, if it, uh, shoot, excuse me, if if he's there, four, I take. I mean, three even maybe I'd consider it. I mean, yeah. just very athletic, runs the floor great. Obviously, all, like I think his wingspan is almost is it's, it's like seven feet. Um, he can shoot the three. I mean, I don't think he took that many, but I mean. He yeah, around, around four a game, I think. So, so it's still a pretty, okay. pretty decent sample size, I think. Yeah, I mean, I know he has good mid-range game. Uh, well, obviously, don't want to. That's not something that we're going to try to emphasize here in Minnesota. But I mean, he's just a dude that like he's one of those guys that like five years from now, kind of similar to Jonathan Isaac. I obviously that's kind of an interesting one because. But uh, <laughs> where you're going to look back and think like. Why didn't we take this guy? Yeah. Why weren't we talking about this guy pre-draft? Why were we so focused? Because if you're in the top five, you're thinking LaMelo Ball. You're thinking Killian Hayes. You're talking even Abdia and, and those types. So you're not even really – I don't think you're talking. You don't, you're not hearing Devin Vassell outside of this podcast a ton. I think he's he's a guy that you're going to look at and just – if he can improve that offense just you know from an isolation standpoint just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, my God, I mean, it's a whole different conversation. And he could, it's just an upside pick where he's one of those guys, like I said, where, you know, five years from now, you're like, this dude might be the first, second, third, like top, one of the best three guys from the draft. Yeah, I think he's, his floor is a lot lower than, than a lot of guys up in the mm-hmm. top, you know, the top half of the lottery. Mm-hmm. And then I think his upside is a lot higher than than people you know, I'd admit just because I think he he got that kind of the very safe game about him. You know that that three and D type of player, but he I think he's got a lot of upside as a shot creator. I'd like to see him get to the rim more and get to the line a little bit more. I think that's going to be the the real uh, bugaboo for him. But I think there's just just so much potential as a guy who can average you know fifteen to to eighteen a game and then be your team's best off-ball defender, hold his own as an on-ball defender as well, and then kind of, you know, just do a little bit of everything. He's, he's not really a playmaker, but he never makes bad decisions. He never forces the issue. Uh, I've talked about him a ton on this podcast. You know my feelings. The listeners know my feelings on Devin Vassell. Favorite player in the draft. I'd be happy with him at, at any point, to be honest. When it comes to athleticism, I think he's one of the like. I think his upside is is really really high. I mean, I don't think maybe a lot of people don't think that, but he's one of those guys. Just cut the film. I mean, just I think he he might struggle scoring at a you know at a relatively decent level early on, but he's one of those guys where just like development is crucial, and I think he could end up being like like an absolute. In the draft, yeah. and, and, and they're truly, I mean, I'm not saying the Timberwolves are a great team, but from a developmental standpoint, there might not be a better situation for a guy like that. When you look at what we provide in both the G League and, and, and the way that this system is built, just incredible development. Like, for like look at Nas Reed, for example. I mean, um, I, I, I think he'd be a tremendous pick. 
Yeah, and then I think on top of that is that he also fits extremely well positionally in this team. I yeah. think he, I think he probably uh, he could be a two. I think he played a lot of two at, at Florida State, but I think he's probably a three in the lead with the size that he has. I think he's got, like you said, really long wingspan. He can probably guard a lot of threes and even maybe shift up to the, to the four and pinch hit, pinch hit as a small ball four. But I think he, there's a hole in this lineup at the three. I mean, I love Josh Okogi, but he, he's not a small forward. And then no. there's obviously a hole at the four as well, I think. there's And there's also many holes on the defensive end, which is which is exactly where Vassell is, is going to flourish. I think he's going to thrive as an off-ball defender. He's he's got that Robert Covington about him where he just makes plays from from nowhere. You know what I mean? He's always he's always got his head on a swivel, never ever takes a defensive playoff, and and never kind of just stands there and zones out for a second. He's always looking to to break up a play, to make a weak side yeah. block, to to throw those long arms in in and, and grab a steal. So yeah, my my favorite player in the draft. Um. um. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, percentage. Oh, percentage. Yeah, you go. You can go. Uh, I'm a uh confidence that I'd say. Well, there's three levels to this. Is yeah. he there at seven? I think he is. Yeah. Uh, do the Timberwolves move up? Maybe not. Uh, history would say no. Um, and. Is he the best player available at seven? Yes, he would be. Um, I, I would say, I mean, honestly, based off odds, everything statistically speaking, I'd say 75%. I think, I think the Timberwolves are most likely to be at seven, and I think he would make the most sense. So I'd say like genuinely like a 75% chance that the Timberwolves are come lottery night drafting seventh and they take Devin to seven. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I had I had about ninety uh, percent chance that Vassell falls to seven. I think, like you said, I think a lot of the the top five, six will probably be real upside plays. And then I think um, just assuming that Minnesota do fall to seven, I think there's about mm-hmm. an eighty percent chance that, that they'd take him in that range as well. Obviously, yep. we don't work in the Timberwolves front office, so we could never actually know. But I think it just makes so much sense there, especially if they're seeing what I, what I'm seeing and what a lot of other Smart draft people are saying, seeing. I think, um, I think it's an eighty percent chance they take him at seven. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, unless there's some Jake paintings out there uh, who would take him number one overall, he'll be there at seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we get into my uh, is it third one? I'm not yeah, sure. Uh, I'm you think losing, it is your third one? Yeah, I'm is losing it? track, but anyway, I'm not good at math. <laughs> Um, so mine was my I transitioned a little bit into the free agency for this one. So I went um, Minnesota land Jeremy Grant in free agency. So we're like we've spoken about Grant's fit on this podcast before, and it's a bit of a it's becoming a bit of a, a dream, I guess, around Timberwolves circles of late. I seem to be seeing his name mentioned a ton, um, but that's because he's just an awesome fit. I think he he had a fairly down year in Denver compared to his kind of usual standards. Still shot 40% from deep, which is the career high. Still impacts the game in a lot of ways as a weak side defender, switchable defender who can guard twos, threes, fours. He can probably even guard a small ball fives in a pinch. He fits this team's run and gun, you know, three-point launching, small ball unit perfectly. He 
might be the best power forward fit for Minnesota. I, I think as in terms of free agents, he would do a lot. I think for the Towns as a as weak side cover on the defensive end, and then he doesn't uh, doesn't command big usage on offense. He's not going to you know sulk when when D'Angelo Russell and Towns Towns are taking twenty shots a night. He's going to come in. He's going to do his bit. He's going to hit open threes. He's going to attack off the dribble when when he gets you know when the the defense closes out hard at him. He's going to post the dudes. He's going to you know grab his fair share of rebounds enough to kind of to not tank tank a team's rebounding. And then I think he's probably gettable at the, at the full mid level exception over multiple years. I think. The mid-level section is about nine point five million off the top of my head. So I think if you get him for something like, like four years, thirty-five million, I think that's that's good job security for him. It's still a movable contract if you know in two years down the track it hasn't gone very well. And then yeah, I think they can offer him a pretty consistent role as well, which I'm sure is something he'll be looking for after kind of spending a lot of, a lot of the season coming off the bench for Denver. Um, yeah, I think it's just up to, I guess, him opting out of his player option and then uh, choosing to come, to come and live in Minnesota and, you know, the, the usual hurdles that this team always faces. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I so a good buddy of mine is a huge Thunder fan, so take pride in like actively rooting against them because I think it's really funny. <laughs> um, however, I mean, first of all, to address your getting him to come to Minnesota point, I mean, he played in Oklahoma city and Philadelphia. So I mean, there's yeah. not, a ton, not a ton going on there. I, I, I can confidently say Min- Minneapolis is a much more fun town. Um, but you know, yeah, again, Denver is an interesting one because it's, I'll tell you, they are a deep team. It is really hard to carve out a role there and yeah. feel like, you know, you're successful. I mean, look at Malik Beasley, for example, even Wancho. I mean, there's so much depth there that it's hard to like find your rhythm. But looking back at the 2018, 19 season, Jeremy Grant, when he was in OKC, I mean, he was balling. I mean, he had his career high. He averaged almost 14 points a game. I mean, he was yeah. shooting almost 50% from the field. Granted, actually, he shot almost 40% from three. Granted, like, he doesn't take a ton of threes, but he's incredible. I mean, I love Jeremy. He's, like, what, 26 years old. He's not old. He's, like, 25, yeah. 26. He's young. I mean, yeah. if you could get him on a four-year deal, he's the type of guy that, that, that you need here if you're Gerson Rosas because you're putting all your money, your, your money, you know, in these these Cat and D'Lo and whoever that third, quote-unquote, option may be. Um, he's a guy that just can do it all. Just, just the true, like he can, he can defend, he can, he can score, he can shoot, uh, he'll do the, the nasty work and, and he's young and he fits that, that timeline. And most importantly, a mid-level, if you can get him like at a four year, 32 million, 80 year or whatever it is, I mean, like that's what you need. You need a guy like him. You need a Jake Lehman who's, 
I don't. I, I think he's like six a year or something like that. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. It's not a ton of money. Um, you need guys like that to, that can really drive you. And again, I really look back to that 2018-19 season of, of, with him in OKC, where that was his third season there. So he he, he probably felt a little more at home. Um, and he, he balled out. I mean, that's exactly what you want out of a guy. I mean, that's what you want out of your four slash three. He can play the three. He can play the four. I mean, everything you need. Six, eight, two, fifteen. Perfect. Would love to yeah. welcome him in Minnesota. He's a great fit. Perfect. Yeah. I completely I, agree with you. And I think, um, if, if they are committed to the Townsend Russell pairing, which, which I think they obviously are, and then they're, Willing to throw, you know, decently big money at, at Beasley to keep him as around around as well. You really need to hit on, on those role players and, and kind of find the play, the players who fit around those guys really well. And I think Jeremy Grant has proven pretty much everywhere he went that he, that he fits pretty well. Even in a down year in Denver, I still think he he did a lot of good things, and he still I don't think it was it was the fit necessarily that kind of. Um, that drove his value down a little bit, but I think more just the fact, like you said, that, that Denver is just hella deep and, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to kind of uh, find yourself a consistent role there. And I think, like I said, that would be maybe the, the biggest selling point for Minnesota is that like you can come in and, and you can be the starting four and right now you, pro- you pretty much don't have any real competition to, to take those minutes away from you. I mean, uh, like Wancho, I don't know if Wancho will be back or not, but if he is, I don't think... Um, there's any chance he, he would start over Jeremy Grant, no. and I, and I think Grant could easily find himself 30 minutes a night, like you said, and just, and just do a lot of those things that he did in in Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and not to get off topic here, some I mean, once I'm talking basketball, it's hard not to. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Wancho, yeah, I've, I heard it on one of your previous podcasts. I think it was when you had obviously you've had Jack on a few times. But I mean, I he he truly the, the more I listened to you about that, like the more I was able to let go of some delusional thoughts. Wancho's not a starter. At least not no, right now. No, I completely I agree with your sentiment on that. I know you, you, you referenced that on the previous podcast. So if, if you guys were listening, definitely check that out. Um, but uh, Jeremy Grant, yeah, he would fit perfect. If you can re-sign, if you can get a guy like that and then have a guy like Wancho off the bench, it's a whole different conversation. I yeah. mean, yeah. he can't play defense, but, <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he can step in and, and score at a decent level off the bench. So, yeah, I would love to see Jeremy Grant. And, and, and from a, you know, I'd say from a percentage standpoint, my, my biggest concern there is, as I've, I, I really am trying to dissect, like, let, let me get to know Gerson Rosas a bit. I, I'm nervous, not nervous, I, I for this specific, you know, conversation, I, I, my concern is I don't know that that Rosas is going to use the mid level exception. I, I he's like an asset builder guy, and I I don't know if he's going to want to use that on a on the mid level and whether that be a one year mid level. Sure, but I I think that Grant's going to get around that mid level, but he's going to get a multiple year deal. Um, and my biggest concern is that Rosas isn't the one. Yeah, go down, I think, go down I think, that road. I think that's a very valid concern. I think, yeah. like you said, maybe a one-year deal. Maybe they split up the MLE, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of try and try and sign a couple of role players to it. Maybe even they do they do one show a bit of it, which I wouldn't really love. But you know, you never know what they're <laughs> going to do. And like and like you said, he's he's going to try and 
collect as many assets as possible. And, and yep. if that means, you know, that, that Jeremy Grant is too great an investment, then, yep. um, that, yeah, that would make sense. I think that's what, yeah. Oh, so now, now you go. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I completely, I think this is a weird off season because with everything going on in the world, I don't know what free agency looks like. I think it works yeah. in Timberwolves favor specifically for a guy like Malik Beasley, who I know for a fact turned down. I don't know what it was, but he turned down a, a decent I think, from, I think, from Denver. I think three years, 30 million. Which is like, I mean, for based off the role he had there, I mean, he was basically betting on himself to get traded and then, I mean, and then, you know, ball it out, which it worked out for him, but I don't see him getting much more than that. But Point being, um, yeah, I think <laughs> I, Rosas has proven in his short time here that he's not going to – he hasn't shown that he's willing to pay other than Jake Lehman. I mean, I haven't seen – I don't see him willing to just toss out money long term unless you're a guy that he thinks can be a star or a potential, like, huge impact. So I think for a guy like Jeremy Grant um, – Teams are going to want to sign him to multiple year deals, specifically teams that are on the cusp of championships. I mean, if you could, yeah. if you could get a guy like that on a on a Lakers team or a Clippers team, I mean, you're talking about a guy that can truly get you over the edge, especially if you have him maybe even coming off the bench. I mean, my God. Um, but I think that Rosas will split up that mid level and he will spend it on one year deal, one year deal, one year deal, kind of like the Jordan Bell. And 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 to his point, when he did that, I knew there was. You know, he's cooking something up here, right? And it was obviously for D'Lo. It worked out. But you look at a Jordan Bell contract, these one-year deals, I think he loves playing that role because he's a huge asset builder. So I'll just answer the point right now. From a percentage standpoint, I love Jeremy Grant. I would be so fired up if we signed him to a multiple-year deal on, say, seven, eight, nine million a year. Uh, but I'd say it's very low. I'd say it's like 25% because I just – Based off the short time we've had with Gerson Rosas, I think it's proven that he's going to try to use that on, on one year deals and, and and trade those at the deadline. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had my I had it at thirty percent as well. Obviously, I, I I love love the fit and love the the idea of Jeremy Grant coming to Minnesota. But yeah, I think there's there's just so many factors that factor into free agency. Like as much as we sit here and say how much Jeremy Grant w- would fit with Minnesota. There's probably 15 at least other teams who, who are thinking the same thing, who all have the MLE as well to use as well. So factor into that along with, you know, uh, Rosas' uh, so far kind of uh, not wanting to, to sign long-term deals and, and to box himself in flexibility-wise. I think, yeah, I'd say maybe maybe 30%, 25% just because... And what he's doing is very smart for a team that has not been good for a long time, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't... I There's not a lot that I kind of disagree with the way Rose mm-hmm. has gone about it so far. This team, you've got Russell and Towns on max contracts, and as much as yep. I I love watching them both play right now, they're kind of unproven whether they can yep. really take, take a team over the hump. Um I sure. think that you, you need to be really flexible outside of that just because you need to be able to find the right guys on, on pretty cheap contracts so you don't want to box yourself into a Jeremy Graham. But I also think that, personally, I don't think it would be that bad of a move. Sure. Not um, so what's your next one? Yeah, so before I say this, I want to say I did add one at the end that I'm going to hit you with. It'll be a little surprise, but I do have All one right. more that I want to add nice. there. I think it's it, it came to me literally the last 20 seconds. I think it's vital <laughs> that we talk about it. Uh, but 
So another thing where I was listening to your podcast recently and I, I, it really got me to do a truly a deep dive on this guy where I just thought I like fell in love with the prospect. I, I am higher on him than any prospect in the draft. I'm obsessed with this guy. Let me just start that in like a normal way. But, um, I think that with the 16th pick in the, in, in the draft, or whatever it is, the Nets pick, uh, the Timberwolves are going to draft Kyra Lewis. Yeah. I think, I mean, or Kira, I, I don't know, whatever. He, he um, out of Alabama, I think, I mean, <laughs> just turn on the film. My God, this dude can beat, blow by any, he could blow by NBA defender today. He's 19 years old. Um, he's, I think he's as athletic as they come. He's, he's, he, my concern, he's undersized. Point being, I think we're drafting him at sixty at whatever pick we have, and uh, he's he's a little undersized to play the point, um, or not the point, but he, he's small. He's small. He's six three. Um, I don't. He's he's listed at one seventy. I don't think he's one seventy. Um, I'm concerned about his ability to play defense at a high level based on his size, um, but he reminds me a lot of Russell Westbrook, smaller version. I think it'd be more fair to compare him to the guy that has replaced Russell Westbrook, which is like a, you know, uh, Shea Gilgis, but uh, yeah. he's he's so fast. He's so athletic. Uh, he just he just blows by people. It's disgusting to watch. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm obsessed with this guy. I think from a, from a ceiling standpoint, if the Timberwolves can, you know, keep that, that Nets pick and draft Kyra, Kira Lewis... He is a stud. If he can turn it on like like the way Westbrook does, I mean, he can finish at the rim at a high level. He's, you know, he's got to, you know, just just athleticism, athleticism, athleticism. I can't say it enough. Turn on the film if you're listening to this, and you will be blown away by his first step. The guy can ball. Um I don't know what his, you know, what his three-point shot's going to look like. Uh, I, I don't think, I think he thought, shot like 35, 36% from three. Uh, something like that in college. Uh, not great. Uh, but, you know, that's not what you're asking him to do if he's leading the second unit. And I think he could play really well next to D'Lo in a pinch. Um, so I would say, again, if the Timberwolves are picking at 15, 16, whatever the pick is, uh, if they're going to take Kyra Lewis, and he's going to be the backup point guard the Timberwolves, you could say, have never had. I love Tyus Jones. I really do. Um, but this guy can come in and, and really not lead a stack. Come in and really keep things. Yeah, uh, I fully agree. I think it was yeah, last week where, we, where I talked about Lewis with Jack, and I, I did the same thing. I, I, didn't, I hadn't watched... As much as as I would have liked before last week, but but I watched a ton during this week before before today, and like you said, he's just a, a crazy crazy fast mm-hmm. and gets to the rim. I think he he does struggle a little bit around the rim finishing sometimes sure. just because he is such a, a small dude compared yeah. to compared to others. But he still puts a lot of pressure on the rim. He finished in the seventy ninth percentile as a transition scorer, sixty second percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. Shot forty one point three percent on spot up threes, so it was kind of the the off the dribble threes that, that let him down a little bit, just because um 
he he had to take so many shots off the off the dribble in in Alabama's offense. You know, he kind of um he kind of was that offense at, at times. He's also eighteen year old uh, sophomore, which is crazy young. You know, for for what where he is in his development to already have played two two years at, at Alabama before, um, you know, he, he even gets to the NBA before his 19th birthday. I think that's, that's huge for him. Like he'll come in as an eight, as a 19 year old, who's already got a lot more experience than, than a lot of other, you know, players his age. He's just, um, yeah, like you said, he's the kind of player who I think can give you 10 to 15 a night off the bench almost immediately. Uh, and really, um, really keep things ticking as a second unit and, and just be that kind of offensive fulcrum that, that, um, that meshes together that, that second unit. I'd be really happy with, with Kyra Lewis at, at 16. I think, um, it's hard for me to see him not becoming at least a really good backup. And if not, he's, you know, potentially is, is higher than that, higher than that as a, as a pretty decent starter. And, and, and the thing I would say, you know, uh, out that is when when the finishing at the rim, I get that, and, and I understand that that's a concern. But here's one thing you can't teach is athleticism, yeah. um, and and being good at basketball. One thing you can teach and work at is getting stronger. Unless you're for whatever reason, unless your name is Andrew Wiggins, you can't put on muscle. <laughs> um, I love Wiggins. I'll never hate him. But uh, you get this guy in a in a you know. Uh, an NBA strength and conditioning system, put on some size and like really test him in the paint. And, and, you know, he can finish. I mean, you can make a decision as a human being to put on muscle mass. You can't make a decision to be a good athlete and a good basketball player. He has those two things. The third thing is, can you finish at, at the rim? And I think that comes a lot with strength. And I think that's something that he can really truly you know, be able to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he, there's definitely, I think that's why uh, he seems to be kind of rocketing up a lot of draft boards at the moment is just because it's pretty easy to see, you know, th- that path to development for him. Like, you put on a bit of strength, continue to, to polish up that three-point shooting. He's a pretty good passer as well. I don't think he's kind of a, a guy who's going to wow you with his playmaking abilities, but he seems to make the right pass a lot. He does a lot of those kind of uh, driving kicks where he gets all the way under the ring and then, and then flings it out to a corner shooter or to a, a shooter in the slot. That's that's a really important play if you can collapse the defense and hit three point shooters. That's that's something that Minnesota, Minnesota needs a lot of. I think that's one of the one areas that D'Angelo Russell does struggle with because he doesn't get to the rim as much as a lot of yeah. other guys. But that's something that we saw with like Jordan McLaughlin, who, you know, would would, would use that really sneaky, that small and, and quick pace to kind of get to the world of the rim, collapse the defense, fire it out to a shooter, and and that that's what I think Saunders wants. I think that's what Rosas wants is uh, a drive and kick, you know, three point heavy offense. And I think uh, Lewis would fit into that offense really nicely. I no, I completely agree. Um, he he's a stud. I mean, he really. I know. I, I I think you had him top ten on your board, did you not? Yeah, I had it. I have him uh, ten, I think, at the moment. Just yeah, which is my head. Which is like we need to stop talking about that because I think that NBA teams don't have him that high, and we want to make sure that he falls to, to <laughs> us. Because I, I I I don't know. I mean, he's one of those guys where, like, in a traditional draft, I'm like, just watch the. Film. How is this guy not a top ten pick? 
wherein yeah. like you look at big boards from some of the you know the experts and he's not even close to the top 10 in a lot of them so yeah. i mean let's just let's see if he can fall to us <laughs> Yeah, but, um, but I would, what's, yeah. what chance do you have? What percentage do you have of, of of him falling and then them drafting him? I think he'll fall. I'd say that I would say that I have a seventy five percent chance he falls. But I would say in terms of him falling and the Timberwolves drafting him, I'd say uh, I I'd put it at honestly seventy percent. And my reason behind that being is that you know if and when he falls to that that Nets pick, uh, please Nets make the playoffs. Um, how do you pass on a guy like that? I mean, he's a ball handler. He, he can run an offense. And I, Ro, he just seems like Rosas. That just screams Rosas. Like, let's just go ahead and get this guy who can has tremendous upside to run an NBA offense, whether it's to be in Minnesota or to flip for a pick for a yeah. future asset. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. So I'd say sixty-ish percent. Yeah, I yeah I had um. I had it about um, about seventy percent as well that that he falls. I think, like you said, it's 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 pretty well known, not well known, but I guess around you know guys like Kevin O'Connor and stuff who who actually get to talk to a lot of front offices before they they make their boards and stuff. I think most of them have him fallen pretty low. Um, I think there's maybe I think it's probably made more of a forty percent chance that they draft him. I think I'm still not. Overly confident that Minnesota will, will take a point guard. I think they, I think they probably will because there, there's just so many point guards in this mm-hmm. draft, and and they need to you know if they if they do take three bites of that draft apple, I think they're probably gonna gonna take a point guard with one of them. But then I, th- I guess you know I factor in just how many there are. And I guess yeah. it's pretty it'll be pretty easy for them to to fall in love with someone else. You know, a Tyrell Terry or a. Even a, you know, if a Cole Anthony or someone falls yes. to six, fall to sixteen, you know, in, in like someone's always going to fall, or someone's always going to get taken higher than they should. Oh, so I think it's it, it's just it's so hard to predict with the lottery. But but yeah, I'd have it about forty percent chance, just because I think if they do, they are going to take a point guard. He would yeah. definitely be one of the guys they're looking at. Hundred percent. Um. So my last one is I think um I think the Wolves will take. All three of their players, all three of the draft okay. picks, which, which I think, I mean, I'm not sure on that. Obviously, like I think they'll definitely be looking for trades, but I don't know how much other teams will be be willing to give up in, in this climate with, with a draft that's got a, you know, pretty historically bad rep for it right now. Um, so I'm not sure, and I don't think Rosas will will make a trade just to make a trade, you know, with with that top three pick or, or whatever. I think he would only make it if he truly believes that. He's getting uh, an asset that that's really valuable, so mm-hmm. I think they might end up selecting all three picks, and I think one of them guys ends up as a top three rookie of the year candidate, if not a rookie of the year. I think there are a ton of players in this class who are pretty, you know, dependent on, on a system to help them thrive, especially in their first year. And I think uh, Minnesota's system, which I haven't said that a lot over, over the. Over the years, that Minnesota system actually lends itself to a lot of these players. I think top picks like like Anthony Edwards or Killian Hayes, who was spoken about, guys like like Vassell, even like Tyrese Maxey or, or Tyrese Halliburton, are both. I think both of those guys, Minnesota is one of their best fits. Even even second round, you know, long shots like like a Paul Reed or a Desmond Bain. Yeah. I think they're um 
again, guys who can, who can definitely come in and be instant impact players, and I'm not sure. I think there'll be a lot of players this season who, a lot of draftees who will kind of come in and, and maybe not have the system that, that really helps them, them shine, but I think Minnesota has a system that really uh, lends itself, yeah, to, to a lot of players in this, in this class. Yeah, I, I um, in terms of drafting all three picks, I, 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 it's hard. I, I don't know if they will. I mean, um, the thing is, is to suggest that it's a quote unquote weak draft, I think, you know, is unfair in the sense that there's not a Zion in this yeah, draft. That, that's that, what it does. I think there's a lot of, Really but, good role yeah. players, but there's not. There might even not be a a, a bunch of all stars. You know what I mean? I think there's probably. I think yeah. that's where it's weak. But I don't think it's weak yeah, in, sure. in, in depth. No. I think I think there's definitely no, going to be. You know, I think a lot of the players in the draft will, will stay in the league and will help yep. teams win. But I don't think they'll be the the chief player on the team. Yeah, and I think that that's totally fair. I I, I think the draft is is better than than a lot of people. Uh, um, in terms of, I think there are a couple all stars that will come out of this draft. And they're, they're always, and there always is. Every time a week, yeah, of course, you know, of course. Quote, quote unquote, weak draft class comes along, there's always someone who gets taken at 45 who ends up, you know, a, a star. So it's it's super hard to predict. Yeah. And I think if you're drafting three picks, all of a sudden, I think based off where the Timberwolves are drafting, all three of them should absolutely step in and contribute. Whether that's at a very high level or not, you're looking at you know the the first pick of the second second pick of the you know they're they're picking high in the first and second round. Additionally, with the first round additional first round pick that they have, so if yeah. in the second round you can get a guy like Paul Reed out of DePaul, which is a small school, he's extremely good. Um, there's no reason that you can't have three contributors, and 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 ultimately, I think that that you know. Um, those three guys are always going to be viewed as assets. But I think that, that you know, um, when Rosas was drafting last year, it's, it's a different mentality of, okay, who's a guy that 100%, like, you know, he's not going to be, he's not going to be the rookie of the year, but who can come in with this pick? He traded up to get a point guard because he missed out on Milo, right? He didn't get Darius Garland because he went to the, the Cavs, which no one thought, right? But point being, he... he he took a guy that who's the highest upside because my team doesn't have a ton of that right now. Whereas yeah. the the roster is one thousand percent different. So um, for for him, it, it's different in the sense that I still think he's going all you know uh, high upside, you know asset driven. But but certainly if you're drafting all three picks, that's not a bad thing. The Timberwolves going into this draft are in a great spot. They've got two cornerstones. And three picks. So let's say they end up with the with a top three pick. They get it. They get a guy who's going to contribute day one. Let's say they get stuck at seven. They're going to get Devin Vassell. He's going to contribute at a high level. So so I think it is realistic that they keep all three picks based on the the narrative that that the this draft isn't great. Although I think there is a discrepancy between the media's perception of a draft and the the front offices of the NBA. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that certainly it's very realistic that, that we, we, we take all three picks and that most importantly, all three picks are 
contributing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just if, like you said, if you have your stars in place, um, you you really do need a draft well, and to have three draft picks is a really important thing for this team. I think they that gives them even. Yeah, even if, you know, it is the weak draft class that everyone says it is, having three three chances to to hit a home run, you know, <laughs> is it, better than one. So I think yeah. two, three three picks on the top 33, it, yeah, it's really important for this team. And yeah. if they can't find a, a suitable trade, which I'm sure they will definitely look to shop either of them three trades, maybe, oh, pack yeah. it, uh, maybe even package a few of them together for, for an Aaron Gordon type or someone who, who we're not sure. going to get into. I know you love Aaron Gordon as well. But um, you know, I think I think they'll try and do that. But if they can't, they'll have no problem kind of taking three players and, and trying to hit a home run on one of them. No, I agree, and that's what it is. Like that was a really good point. Is that you got three chances to get it right? I mean, I mean, not many teams get to say that in the NBA. There's two rounds. You got you got three chances to get it right. Um, and that's why I think that that it's likely that they could take all three. But most importantly, that they're taking upside guys there yeah. um and and i think that that, that that it's a lot easier to not play it safe when you have that many picks so i think it's very realistic that it's hard to trade make a trade in the nba it's not an easy thing so i think it's realistic that they take all three picks whether they're here long term or not um still very very feasible that they do that yeah, I think I'd give it about uh, a sixty percent chance that they yeah. that they take all three, and then I think maybe a, a twenty a twenty percent chance that that one of those three guys are a top three rookie of the year candidate. Sure. Uh, yeah. No, I, I'd say I'm at about a forty percent chance that they they take all three. Um, but if they do, I'd say you know you're looking at a sixty sixty five percent chance that that. It's the rookie of the year because you got three chances. I think mainly you got two chances to, to draft a rookie of the year there. Um, yeah. And I think that based off Gerson's mentality, you're looking at two guys that, that are tremendous upside guys that if they do what they could do, they'd win rookie of the year. So, yeah, yeah. I think the one the one caveat there is that um, whatever player comes in is probably not going to have the leeway. Of a of mm-hmm. a player that's say you know in Cleveland or, or in somewhere somewhere like Detroit you know where they're sure. especially where they're allowed like if Anthony Edwards say gets drafted to to a Detroit or to a to a New York you know what I mean like he's gonna he's gonna be allowed to shoot twenty shots a game and it, while I think Minnesota is a better fit for him I think that's the kind of mm-hmm. um, you know the kind of role that that wins Rookie of the Year I don't think Rookie of the Year is always the most impactful rookie. I think sometimes yeah. it's it's just the guy who who's allowed to to you know take the most shots and who's allowed to be more of a, a number one option, a bit like Andrew Wiggins, I guess in in his first season. Uh, I think he probably yeah. was the best rookie Wiggins, but he yeah. um he didn't have much competition <laughs> just because he was he was spoon fed from day one. Yeah, what he was asked to do. Yeah, and I, I would say uh, ending up in Detroit. Uh, it's a tough thing because that roster is <laughs> depleted, but. Sure. Uh, I mean, my God, I went to the Pistons-Hornets game earlier this year. I One of the most unwatchable professional basketball <laughs> games I've ever attended in my entire life. But that's beside the point. Um, so, yeah, who, what's your last little bonus one? I'm, I'm, I'm keen to hear that. Well, I have one. This is my last one. Then I have the bonus oh, one. Oh, we'll yeah, pop, sorry. We'll, we'll yeah. probably No, it's all good. 
So this is, I think, the most realistic one, which is that the Timberwolves use every asset they have, whether it's the three draft picks and re-signing Malik Beasley to a relatively affordable contract. They're going to package that, and they're going to get Devin Booker. And and I have I ha- I will stand on this cliff for forever until it does not happen. Until Devin Booker ends <laughs> up elsewhere, he is going to be a Minnesota Timberwolf. I mean, there's no way he's not. Think about it. Be a human being for ten seconds and think to yourself, "Oh, hey, um, think take a step back. Oh, let's just say here, Jake Painting's been my best friend for for five years." Okay, I'm gonna be texting Jake Painting every day and being like, "Dude, we gotta play together. We gotta play together. We got." But and it's it's a fun conversation with my friend. But then all of a sudden, when our other best friend ends up on that team, now all of a sudden, two of my best friends are playing together. I'm a human being. I gotta get there. He is going to end up in Minnesota. Okay, it, it, it's unbelievable. It's unprecedented. When people demand trades, it's to New York, L.A., blah, 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 blah. This is going to be the first time in NBA history that a player is going to request a trade to a smaller market team. And it's going to happen. Devin Booker is going to be a Minnesota Timberwolf. It's going to be Dilo Booker, Cat. It's going to happen. Three best friends. They've talked about it before when none of them were teammates. It's going to happen. And when people say, oh, the Timberwolves, they're not going to have the best offer. They're not going to have the best offer. Guess what? When the NBA knows that's where he wants to be and he's disgruntled, he he ends up there. Look at Paul George. Look at Kawhi for years. Oh, they're going to end up in L.A. They're going to end up in L.A. Paul George went to OKC. He resigned. They ended up where they wanted to be. It happens. It's it's the way the world works. And it's typically not in Minnesota's favor, but for this example, it is. You don't think Gerson Rosas is going after Devin Booker? You're out of your mind. And people don't think we have assets. The Timberwolves have assets. Make no mistake. They have two first-round picks this year, a second-round pick uh, that'll be very high. That's beside the point. Malik Beasley is going to be a player that has shown he can play at a high level and is going to cost about half the cost. You got a James Johnson contract. You got Jarrett Culver on a rookie deal. You can throw in a Nas Reed. The Timberwolves have all the assets necessary to make a competitive offer to a team that knows this is where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. I think that it's very, very, very realistic Devin Booker is a Minnesota Timberwolf. Yeah, I, I think I have a harder time not getting on board with it. I think, like you said, I think there's, I'm absolutely certain that, that Jerson Rosas knows about this friendship. I'm certain that he that he wants to capitalize on it. I'm certain that he would give up a ton of assets to get it done. I just yeah. think that I just think that there's the hurdles are first I think I think uh, Booker would need to make a very pointed trade request, you know, um, directly towards Minnesota and then I think I think like you said, like even even if he does end up in Minnesota, maybe it's it's a long way around in a, in a Paul George type scenario, or in a, even in a Jimmy Butler type scenario, where yeah. it seems like he wanted to get to Miami, you know, after leaving Minnesota. But but I don't think, uh, you know, the parent team, the Phoenix in this scenario, always play, you know, always play the play the game like everyone else should be playing it. I think if he says he wants to go to Minnesota, if he's got three years left on his contract. There's a lot of teams that are, that are going to be offering deals to him if they hear that he wants yeah. out, and it's because it's different to a to an Anthony Davis say say you know last season where he 
he had half a half a year, or, I mean, sorry, a year and, and a player option left on his contract. Um, it's it's almost like it's not like it's not like he's going to leave you after one season. If say, uh, you know, if Philadelphia had assets, you know, just to pull a random team out of the hat, but if they had assets to trade for Devin Booker, I think they'd certainly do it because. You've got him on the contract for three years anyway. Even if he's disgruntled, he doesn't type, uh, stri- strike me as the type of guy to to do a Jimmy Butler and kind of you know quit on his team. I think he would definitely still go out there and, and play. And then maybe he ends up in Minnesota a year after that, or, or two years after that, when he has that one year left on his contract, and everyone knows that he's going to go to Minnesota. But I just think there's a lot of stumbling blocks. I think yeah. that I think, like I said, I, I'd be very surprised if they don't. If they're not monitoring this this situation extremely closely, and if he yeah. does, and I think they'd, they'd offer the house for him. I think it'd be like you said, Culver, Akogi, Fillers, a bundle of picks, anything that they could, and then you know this team would have the best offense in the league. But but I just think there's a lot yeah. of a, a lot of you know hurdles to, to jump over before you can get there. And here's the thing: when you say hurdles, that 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 typically makes me pause. But gives me confidence in Gerson Rosas. How many hurdles were there to get D'Angelo Russell? Oh, a ton. Yep, that's for sure. And he's here. <laughs> so I I feel good about it. I mean, I really I do. I I think there's. I mean, you don't think that these guys are in a group chat together talking about? Oh this? yeah, there's, for sure. I mean, my God. I mean, let's just be real. <laughs> I mean, and and let me ask you this. I I and this is kind of off the top of your head, and no problem if you can't think. But but but. Who off the top of your head can make a more competitive offer than Minnesota from an um, asset standpoint that would yeah. want Devin Booker? It, yeah, it's tough. Like maybe it, maybe in Miami, you know what I mean? Like they're always star hunting. Like maybe a hero and, and a Robinson and a pick. Even and a maybe out of bio. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like depending on how much they, they want him. Like you said, it's tough to come up with one off the top of my head. But and yeah. I think I, I think every team would be would be definitely inquiring sure. for his services if they had the chance. Sure, sure. and I and I love um, you know Devin Booker, but I don't think he can be the main. I think he can be your second option. Um, I don't think you can win a championship with him as your as your number one. Um, and I think I think that's almost the case for for Towns as well, but when you can yeah. share when you can share that first yeah. option and then you have Russell as a third option. It's a yeah. And I think even sudden, right now, yeah. It's a one all A, of a one sudden, B. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. I think, yeah. I think they'll um they'll they'll all share the court pretty well. Obviously they're yeah. really good friends too, so I don't think they'd have a problem with sacrificing a few points per game to yep. kind of you know, for the betterment of the team. So I, yep. I, I don't see it not working if that if it happens sure. I don't sure. see it not working well on offense. Sure. And and so, the thing is, is if he goes to Miami, who's the point guard? Yeah, <laughs> you know who's the two. I, it's just I don't know. I just think it's 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 very real. I don't. I I feel great about it. I'll just say that. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously the defense would be a problem, but you know that <laughs> all of that all of that has been spoken about to to the death. So <laughs> we're not going to spend an, an hour talking about Devin Booker. Yeah. So um, yeah. what sure. percent? I think for me the percentage like percentage wise. It's a hundred percent for me that they try to do it. I yep. mean, I've got no doubts that that if they could sniff, you know, blood in the water, then they don't attack it like a shark. But um, getting it done, I'm, I'm definitely lower. I think maybe maybe twenty five percent for me. Okay, interesting. Um, 
I'd say it's a hundred. Yeah, again, it's a hundred percent that he that it had that they they that they they go after it. Uh, from a percentage standpoint, I feel very confident. I'm at a seventy five percent chance, and and the reason being is that from a, from a human element, I think to myself, let me pick up the phone here if I'm Gerson Rosas, and and let me let me get you know, the GM of the Suns on the line and say, hey, listen, man, here's the deal. This is where he wants to be. What's it going to take? Yeah. As Rosas, you just have to be willing to meet meet, meet the request, meet the offer, and, and, and make it happen. So I, I feel really very confident that it's a conversation. Hey, say, hey, this is where he wants to be. What What's it going to take? Uh, outside of Cat, outside of D'Lo, what's it going to take? Because... A guy like Malik Beasley, when we re-sign him, is perfect to ship out there. A guy like, you know, a Nas Reed with high upside. Is Phoenix, when they send him out, they're rebuilding and they need a core. And if you can yeah. give them a Culver, if you can give them a Nas Reed, if you can give, the, give them a Beasley and some picks or whatever it is and make the cap work, all of a sudden it's, it's, it's a much, you know, better conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so, so what? What was your? Um, what was your bonus one? This little bonus one here is uh, I tweeted it out about an hour ago, and my phone is going insane with people that are calling me an idiot um, and telling me I don't know anything about basketball. D'Angelo Russell is a top twenty-five player in the NBA. Um, I believe that in my heart of hearts, and I'm gonna already just answer the question one hundred percent chance that I believe that. Uh, <laughs> I think he is. What what separates him from from James Harden? And that's what I want to ask the viewers that are listening to this. Ask yourself that for for twenty seconds. Oh, it's, the, it's the free throw right, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, a, it's and, like, like uh, and that's that's ten that's close to ten extra points a game from from the free throw sure. line. And I'm high on D'Angelo Russell, but um, I can't. I, and I think the the game style is definitely comparable to to Harden, but the yeah. way Harden gets to the line and can. You know, yeah. play play in isolation all game. I mean, Jandro Russell is still a great offense uh, isolation sure. player, but but the way Harden can get to the line is just such an efficient method of scoring. Like we know that that Minnesota like to play that that Maury ball as well. You know, and and being able to to live at the line is the next step for Russell to to even get into that conversation. I think. No, and I no, and that's a great point. But I mean, he's twenty four years old. And he's been oh, an yeah. all-star. He, he's yeah. one of those guys where you you got to realize some of these dudes coming out in the draft are like two years younger than him. He's yeah. already been an all-star. I mean, I, I don't understand. There's not a huge gap between him and Harden other than the free throws. Um, I mean, my God. I mean, wh- what is the deal that this dude is so crazy? If he never would have left L.A. with that Swaggy P incident, I mean, we're, we're having a whole different conversation here. He carried Brooklyn to the playoffs. There are not 25 players I would rather take than him. Everyone, the big argument I'm getting on my Twitter feed right now is Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, give me D'Lo over Drew Holiday 100 times out of 100. D- just D'Angelo Russell gets no love. It is It is mind-blowing to me. Yes, he does not play defense. I understand that. A lot of superstars don't do that either. He is what he can he can score at will. When we didn't sign him at the deadline, I was at the Wolves game against uh, Golden State this past year, and he dropped like 50, 60. I don't even know what it was. And I was sick to my stomach. 
I could not believe it. He just went off. He is a someone that can score at will. There are not 25 people I would take you know, ahead of D'Angelo Russell. 100% confidence behind that statement. He's 24 yeah. years old. Give me D'Lo all day to run uh, my th- Yeah. Team. I think um I think the one thing that that gets underrated with him in the the mainstream kind of NBA circles is the the value of being able to be a really high volume three-point shooter. Yep. Especially off the dribble, and then and then create for others as a pick and roll passer. He he manipul- My favorite thing about D'Angelo Russell is watching him manipulate pick and rolls, watching him get a defender on a, on his back and, and put the guy in jail, and then yep. either either you know hit the little step back mid range. I know, like we said, mid range isn't the way they yep. want to play, but it really for him it really does open up a lot of things because they then they need to to take that they need to respect that that first step of his, he doesn't get to the rim very well, but because he can shoot the mid-range, players still tend to be on their heels a little bit when he, when he's beyond the three-point line. And that, that lends itself to, to a lot of um, pull-up threes where, where he shoots a really high level for, for a guy who's shooting, you know, six or seven a night. And then really good passer. Uh, uh, I'm not... I'm, I'm probably right on the borderline of 25, I think. Okay. Definitely, definitely top 35. Probably, okay. probably in that range for me, somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-five. I mean, on his night, definitely one of the one of them players who, if he gets hot, he's just unstoppable, uh, and he unstoppable. and he goes through those those little patches. Even in a game, you know, he'll just have have five minutes of just scorching hot shooting. There's even a few of those games, even with with Minnesota in that in that small sample size, where he just <laughs> he, he can put a team away pretty quickly. I think the game that they won against uh, New Orleans late in the season. Yep. I think I think he only had you know like like low twenties for the game, but I think at one stage he scored about twelve in about three minutes. Yeah, that was just, kind of yeah that, that he really can put the put the boot oh, into some, into someone's neck if he um if he's feeling himself. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not fully against that. I'm not right there with you, but I don't think okay. it's, it's outlandish. Sure. No, I, I mean I'll be honest. I feel great hearing you say that because I I, I thought you were going to think I was crazy. Um, because based off the reaction I'm getting is that people are freaking <laughs> out at me. But I mean, realistically, like you said, I mean the man can score at will. I mean, some, when he gets hot, I mean, there's not there's a handful of people. There aren't many people who can can get hot and and that you would want. There, there aren't many people that get hot and you think, oh my god. This dude's unstoppable, like he is. He truly, yeah. when he's hot, I mean, he is someone you don't want to be going against. Yeah, um, and I think, um, so, I think yeah. the the thing that uh, makes me, I guess, drink the Kool Aid a little bit more, you know, than, than some of your Twitter followers. And you know me, I'm not uh, overly optimistic. I'm optimistic. <laughs> I think in in general, I think I'm pretty optimistic compared to a lot of other people. But I'm not overly optimistic. I try and you know stay as as impartial as possible. But I think. The one thing that often gets overlooked as well with Russell is that he's made major improvements from from his start mm-hmm. of his season. Every year he's gotten a lot better. Even this season, it was very, um, you know, filled with a bit of turmoil and stuff. Turmoil sure. just because you know the trade and, and Golden yep. State ne- never even really wanted him to begin with. But <laughs> he he got he was still better this season than he was uh, with with Brooklyn just in terms of of raw production. I think obviously. Yep. It's it felt better with Brooklyn just because he was doing that on a team that that was surging for the playoffs and, and he was sure. leading that leading that charge. But yeah. every year he's gotten a lot better. He yes. he the flaws in his game, you know, get a little bit better every season. I, I think he'll definitely get to the rim a little bit more next season, mm-hmm. get to the free throw line a little bit more. 
And like I said, he's, he's 24 years old. So I think, yep. you know, if we're going to give guys like Anthony Towns the benefit of the doubt for for his defense, I think you've got to do the same with Russell. I think Absolutely. when he's in, I think his problem, unlike Towns, is more engagement. I think he's a yep. better, I think skill wise, he's a better defender than Towns, but I think he just, um, sure. He just disengages himself at times, especially when the sure. game when the game's over or when you know it feels like Minnesota don't have a chance to win. I think if you if you see Minnesota, um, you know, competing next season like Brooklyn did, I think you'll see him as a better defender, like I think he was that year with Brooklyn. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think um, you know, ultimately at the at the end of the day, um, you have to have a team around you, and he's proven that when he has somewhat of a semblance of a team around him, he can win. He showed that in Brooklyn. So I feel great about it. I, I really think he's top 25. I I'm, I'm, can't believe that you said top 35. I appreciate that. Um, need, need a little backup here on Twitter, but, you know, I, I completely agree. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I think that's a good way to end the, the optimistic podcast. Yep. Um, <laughs> we definitely definitely threw out some, some hot takes. I'm sure we'll, we'll pop a little bit of flack on Twitter for that, but. Oh. It's it's all fun and games, you know what I mean. It's all it's really good to be optimistic at, at, in this climate of the world. I think, and, and especially with um with Timberwolves basketball being being ever depressing, I think it's it's good to have a little bit of fun with this. And then maybe maybe halfway through the season or, or whatever, we'll, we'll get back and and revisit a few of these. <laughs> for sure, I completely right. agree. Yeah. So so thanks again for coming on. You can find Trip over at, at Timberwolves News on 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 Twitter. Sorry, um, at the at not the Wolfson. Uh, if you don't follow him, which I'm sure if you, if you listen to this, you probably do follow him. But if you if you don't follow him, get over there and do that. And you can find all his written work over at Dunking with Wolves. Now, um, I'm really excited to see see where you can take your writing. And um, yeah, I'll definitely be following along with all of that. So so thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Honestly, huge fan of your work, always. You know, love what you do at Canis Hoopus, both on the podcast and writing side. So, truly, you know, great to be here. If you're listening for the first time, you know, keep listening. This is, a, you know, an incredible podcast. Jake has great insight, makes you feel right at home. So, thanks again, man. Thanks, man. All right. I'll see everyone else. Rate, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. And, and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you.